Thanks be to God for God's holy word. And thank you, Carter, Margaret, and Elise for sharing Matthew's Beatitudes with us. Learning this scripture by heart in the third grade is a beloved 90-year-old tradition at Kenilworth Union Church. And the Beatitudes, as Bill mentioned in the E! News, are a required preaching topic for all clergy. And so today I will begin our new Lenten sermon series, God's Odd Benedictions, with the first Beatitude, which says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the coming weeks, Bill, Katie, and I will preach on each of these upside down and unusual blessings of Jesus. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So speaking of odd blessings, this is the third time in my 12 years of professional ministry that Ash Wednesday has fallen on Valentine's Day with the preschool kids smiling and carrying home their paper hearts today and the sun that shined brightly, life feels pretty good today, doesn't it? A few birds are back early and singing their song. Maybe you have a heart-shaped chocolate cake from Portillo's waiting for you at home. And if you are a Kansas City fan or a Taylor Swift fan, you have even more reason to celebrate this week. So, as I approach this sermon, I feel a bit like Barbie when she interrupts the shiny, happy, perfect pink dance party with her existential crisis. But as some clever social media content creators have said, you can't have Valentine's without Lent. L-E-N-T, so here we are. During Lent, Christians traditionally take on a somber affect. The liturgical color changes to the more serious purple. In Children's Chapel, we pack away the alleluias so that we will sing our praises with renewed energy on Easter. Many of us will live more simply, perhaps by giving up a treat like chocolate or an undesirable habit the tone of our prayers becomes more repentant. And today we are marked with a cross of ashes and told we are dust. During Lent, we are invited into spiritual discipline, choosing in a way to become more poor in spirit. By the third grade Bible count, there are nine Beatitudes or sayings of Jesus, and each one has two parts. Third graders, can you help me? What are the two parts? A blessing and a promise. Awesome. We also remember that Jesus taught these Beatitudes in a particular place. Where did Jesus teach them? On a mountain. Our third graders are amazing. You can visit the traditional site of the Sermon on the Mount today. This is a view of what it might have looked like if you heard Jesus preaching 2,000 years ago. And the third graders will also tell you that the secret to learning these unpatterned and unpredictable blessings of Jesus is to use these triangle memory cards, which have the blessing on one side and the promise on the other. And when you put them in order, they grow into a mountain. 
And so I asked the third graders to help me understand what they thought it, what poor in spirit meant, what they thought poor in spirit meant. And here's what they told me. Poor in spirit can mean being humble. It means you don't have a lot of fancy stuff. It can be what you feel when something is really hard or really sad. They also told me that being blessed means that you can still feel happy and content if you are poor in spirit because the kingdom of God is here, still growing like a tiny seed into a tree that will eventually be big enough for all the birds of the air and all the creatures of the earth to find shelter. We should be proud of these third graders, these young people who have condensed 2,000 years worth of Christian interpretation of this beatitude into 150 words. Well done. Dr. Rebecca Eklund is a theology professor who uses a few more than 150 words. She, in fact, has written an entire book about the history of the meaning of the beatitudes over two millennia. Since there isn't any agreement even on how many Beatitudes there are, some say 10, some say 8, some say 7, our third graders and I say 9, it's not surprising that there are multiple interpretations or meanings for the first of these sayings of Jesus. Matthew's Gospel begins, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke's Beatitudes say, Blessed are you who are poor. So because of the difference between Luke and Matthew's Gospels, good theologians throughout history have interpreted this odd blessing to mean different things. Humility, being materially poor, or being oppressed by systems that push people down. Ultimately, Eklund suggests that the myriad of possible meanings are a blessing to us because they cause us to stop in our tracks and make us wonder anew, who are the poor? Who are the poor in spirit today, and are we among them or not? You would have plenty to ponder if your only Lenten discipline was to simply ask yourself that same question each day. Who are the poor, and who are the poor in spirit, and I, am I among them or not? A financial firm did a pre-Valentine's Day survey about love and money and found that 26% of respondents said they would forego love for the rest of their lives for an average net worth of $128 million. They didn't specify what kind of love, God's love, the love of a parent or a child or our life partner, but can you imagine giving up even one of these kinds of love for a lifetime? Even for 128 million? Are those who say that love, that money is more important than love poor, or poor in spirit, or both, or neither? On Ash Wednesday, we force ourselves to face the transient nature of material things. We are made of dust. We make dust with our car tires and our bike tires and our blue jeans. One day we will become dust, but because God loves us, that's not the end of the story. Look around you. Look what God is doing with dust. Galaxies swirl, precious babies enter this world, 
pollen rinds the wind so that we will have spring flowers. God takes bits, or doctors take bits of titanium and steel and use them to give us new elbows and hips and rotator cuffs. God takes dust and fashions a kingdom of life and possibility. The Beatitudes invite, but not command us, into this flourishing of God. So a few weeks ago, I did something on my bucket list. I signed up for a pottery class, even though I've never used a pottery wheel, and the last time I played with anything clay-like was probably kindergarten. But I've always wanted to give this a try. So the first thing that you have to learn in pottery is to center the blob of wet dust. It takes eye, hand, and foot coordination. All I can think about is keeping that ball of clay centered on the wheel. By the end of the first class, I was able to make a wonky little bowl. It was actually supposed to be a cup. <laughs> but I walked out to my car that day absolutely glowing because I remembered what it was like to have a singular, undistracted focus. I remembered what it was like to have fun and feel joy. So I've been practicing pottery a lot lately, perhaps too much. But after a month of classes, I'm almost good enough to say, I'm going to make a bowl and then make something that resembles a bowl. I have a dozen little pots in the kiln this week, but not everything I make turns out. I looked through my pile of failures and decided this bowl looks the most poor in spirit. It is slumped down. It wears a sad expression. There's a gaping hole where it's been pressed on too hard. But here's the amazing thing about clay. It can be made new again, but first you have to dry it out and smash it into dust. Then you can wet it and wedge it and you will be able to work it into a new creation. So maybe I will take my poor slumpy bowls and turn them into an ash container decorated with stars and hearts perfect for the next Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday pairing. That combo will occur in 2029. Out of love, God is continually recreating the broken, dusty bits into a beautiful kingdom of love and peace and flourishing for all. That's the blessing and the promise of Ash Wednesday's refrain. From dust you came, to dust you will return. Or as my colleague Wendy Claire Berry says, for me the cross of ashes I receive on my forehead in the same place that I was baptized with the cross of water. They are intimately connected. And here is the heart of it. From love we come, and to love we return. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>